Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. I need somebody. Help. Not just anybody. Help. You know I need someone. Help. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your bespectacled curmudgeon, Ethan Hatcher, producer Jack on the board. And tonight, I'm dismayed to tell you that California policies seem to have made their way to the threshold of Indiana. And I'm, of course, referring to a story that broke this week about the Department of Child Services, which appears to have seized a teenager from their home, placing them into foster care for a year and a half because the parents didn't affirm their gender pronouns, which is absolutely preposterous. And if true, necessitate intervention from the General Assembly to codify that in the state of Indiana, it is not by law a matter of child abuse to refuse to participate in uh, affirming your child's mental disorder. But as much as I'm ashamed to admit it, it seems Todd Rakita was absolutely right when he said the left is alive and well, even in the state of Indiana, and seeking to replace parental authority using the power of the state and divide a wedge between you and your children. The left is not only active in Indiana, of course, but across the entire country. And really what this is about is creating chaos and division in our society. This is about dividing children from their parents. It's, it, it's, a, it's a lot more than just bathrooms and locker rooms. Uh, and, and I can give you example after example of the Democrats and the left and uh, led by, and in many cases in the courtroom by the ACLU which has nothing to do with civil rights anymore or America to begin with. It's over. We are screwed. I mean, if this if this is something that's going on in the state of Indiana and can't be put a stop to, I'm not sure there's much hope left for the rest of the country. My goodness. I mean, if if this turns out to be true now, the Catholic couple, Mary and Jeremy Cox, are seeking the uh, Supreme Court to hold the state accountable for keeping the child out of their home. And according to the own state, their their, their own state's findings, um, as I understand it, their investigation did not substantiate any allegations of child abuse. So taking away this teenager from their home is unacceptable, according to, uh, and this is the story according to Mary and Jeremy Cox as they tell it. We didn't pursue an affirmational approach with our child because first, as Christians, we believe God created us as male and female. As parents, it's our job to help our children to reach their full potential. And the only way we feel to do that is to raise our children through our Christian beliefs. Secondly, we didn't go with the affirmational approaches because we did a lot of research on the subject. There's, there are many different approaches. We spoke to multiple mental health care providers and ultimately decided that affirmation was not going to help our child. 
Beckett is the law firm that's representing the couple in MC and JC versus Indiana Department of Child Services. And Lori Windham said, if this can happen in Indiana, it can happen anywhere. Tearing a child away from loving parents because of their religious beliefs, which are shared by millions of Americans, is an outrage to the law, parental rights, and basic human decency. If the Supreme Court doesn't take this case, how many times will this happen to other families? And yes, I do think that, again, if this is true, it would be necessary for the General Assembly to intervene here and not just the Supreme Court to retroactively uh, apply justice, but rather a preventative measure codifying it into law to protect other parents in the future. Now, the, the situation is not completely black and white because it seems, and again, this is a, uh, the story according to the Coxes themselves, this child is now no longer just a teenager, but a legal adult. And if that's the case, then they are free to make their own choices regardless of how Mary and Jeremy feel about it. When our son was removed, it was like someone pulled the rug out from underneath us. Um, As a father, I believe one of my main goals is to keep my children safe. And I can't do that when the state comes into our house and takes our kid because we can't, in good conscience, affirm his transgender ideology. His disappearance made a, a huge hole in our hearts and our family, but we will always love him and pray for him. Our child was out of our home for 17, 18 months altogether, ultimately aging out of the foster care system. We were able to visit with him at his discretion basically for about two to three hours each week. And the reality of the situation is that in an adult relationship between parents and children, yes, it is ultimately at their discretion. Um, Now, it's still unacceptable for the state to intervene and rob these parents of a year and a half uh, in their home inculcating their child with their belief system, regardless of how that child may have felt about it. Um, And this, this, this incursion on parental rights cannot stand especially in the state of Indiana, which is absolutely ridiculous. Now, there may be more to the story, as I understand it. And later in the show next hour, Tony Kennett is going to join the program, and he's going to give us some more insight into this story and some details that maybe aren't being put forward in the general reporting. But if this is true, then it's completely unacceptable, especially in a state like Indiana, for the state to intervene and then subsist parental authority is absolutely obscene. Um, Now, of course, uh, according to these parents, uh, the, in addition to just general uh, gender dysphoria, their child also experienced an eating disorder, and they attempted to receive therapy for both. So, uh, from conventional medical uh, treatment. So, you know, th- this, by all appearances and by the current reporting, appeared to be a loving family uh, who whose uh, child was taken away from them, even in the state of Indiana, which is appalling. And something that we talked about on the show last week is how in the Department of Education. The DEI policies have infected everything, and we can, uh, you know, uh, uh, project here that some of that may have touched and influenced uh, this child's thinking. Uh, Miguel Cardona, Secretary of Education, saying uh, we played it last week how DEI policy is infecting literally everything they.
they do at the Department of Education. What an honor to serve as Secretary of Education at this time in our country's history. And I, and I say, you know, we do this work, and in education, there's not something that we do that's not uh, part of our equity initiative, because education is equity. It's not just a hypothetical anymore, ladies and gentlemen. The state is slowly seeking to replace you as the parent. If you, you know, don't don't provide your child breakfast. Oh, they got it at the school. They got the lunch. They got the dinner. Uh, they got the mental health care. They got, uh, you know, these affirmational teachings and the DEI policy. And, you know, before you know it, they have driven a wedge between you and your child. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on the Circle. We've got more programming on the way. Updates on the latest insanity in the ongoing border crisis. What the state is asking you to do now, you won't believe. So stay tuned on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIBC. Welcome back, Indianapolis, to Saturday Night on the Circle. And this is the latest unbelievable update in the ongoing border crisis. Social services have been completely overwhelmed by the millions that have been brought to their doorstep by the porous border that the Biden administration has enabled. And now their way out is by asking you to shelter migrants and perform services for them in your own home. Yes, this is absolutely ridiculous multiple states now asking you to take in uh, migrants you got you got a spare bedroom you got a couple spare bedrooms take one take 10 take as many as you want uh they are there for you some cases very very quickly um uh, this is the office of global michigan asking for volunteers to open up their homes as well as in massachusetts governor kim driscoll had already asked residents last year in november to open their homes to illegals uh, more importantly, if you have an extra room or suite in your home, consider house, uh, hosting a family. Housing a shelter is our most pressing need uh, and become a sponsor family today. Now, uh, some couples are taking full advantage of this and they have talked about how these migrants are, you know, cleaning their house. They're making their, their, their bed. They're doing some cooking for them. So, you know, yeah, this is a, this is just a dandy situation. Not that uh, inviting strangers into people's homes could have uh, ir- irreversible uh, and potentially unforeseen consequences. Nah, nah, nah. Uh, but some couples like this Michigan or uh, Massachusetts couple, I should say, are all too happy to invite the migrants into their uh, houses because they see it as a community need. Alan and Jessica Stokes called the state to sign up to be a host family. It took less than an hour for the displaced migrants to be dropped off at their door. I gotta get sheets on the bed. How many people are coming? Where are they, where are they from? What ages? We, knew, we really knew nothing. The need is so clear Uh, overwhelming. The family of four who didn't want to go on camera had been sleeping at Logan Airport. The parents and two kids journeyed from Chile to Texas, then Massachusetts, and there are so many stories like it. It boggles the mind that there are 
so many hundreds of those stories. Because it's all part of the plan. I'll tell you what really boggles the mind is how quick government services can move when they want to accomplish something. My goodness, they said that their home was open and in less than an hour, migrants had been delivered to their door. Here in Indianapolis, you know, you've got to wait months, uh, if if ever, uh, to ask the city to address a pothole. Or heck, I've got a tax appeal out from last year and I'm going to be having to pay this year's property taxes and I still haven't heard anything back from my appeal. So yeah, but in this case, I'm sure if I would have asked for a migrant family uh, uh, to be sheltered in my home, they would have been there hour or two tops, which is... kind of uh, tips the state hand and where they're placing their priority. But of course, what's good for the goose and what's good for you is not good for the gander because communities in Harlem are very upset to have discovered the city was attempting to move migrants into their community and they put up enough of a stink that they put a stop to it after this residential building that had sat vacant for more than a decade was going to be converted into a migrant shelter and then one once uh, they had petitioned the city, Eric Adams intervened. He's like, oh, no, that's not going to be for migrants. That's going to be for city residents in need. Harlem residents went looking for answers Thursday night about a once luxury building on Adam Clayton Powell Jr. Boulevard. The development has sat empty for the past decade until this week when neighbors noticed boxes of bunk beds being loaded in. We were trying to find out what was going on and we weren't getting any answers to our question. They learned City Hall was planning to turn the building into temporary housing for asylum seekers. No, I don't agree with it. It turned into a sanctuary for asylum seekers. No, but we have people right here that need this space. While neighbors were gathering to share their concerns, Mayor Eric Adams dropped in to answer questions. You are the mayor. We do not want to hear excuses. But the mayor announced a change of course. I told the team, find out what's going on here. We're not moving folks into a brand new building. When you have long-term needs into a community, that's not going to happen. The luxury building will instead be a shelter for long-term New York City families. You will not have migrants and asylum seekers in that property. Residents told me they're relieved for the change, but frustrated by the city's lack of transparency around opening a shelter in the first place. <laughs> oh, wait, you serious? Let me laugh even harder. <laughs> How could they be shocked about the city's lack of transparency? The city told you up front they were happy to be a sanctuary city. You voted for the Democrats that sponsored this policy. I think that they should have to shoulder the burden of their own irresponsible decisions. But of course, that's not in the cards. Instead, these cities and communities have been playing uh, migrant musical chairs, shifting them around. And we'll uh, play that more uh, coming up next or in just a few minutes moments, I should say. But of course, uh, border czar Kamala Harris has insisted the Biden administration is treating the root causes of migration uh, in parts of South America like Guatemala in order to stem the tide. But turns out, according to investigative reporters on the ground, a lot of these migrants don't come just from South America. They're coming from Kazakhstan. They're coming from China. They're coming from far overseas through the southern border because they know it's wide open now that policy has changed from the Biden administration. This, according to a report from Fox News. Where are you guys from? Colombia. Colombia. Where are you from? Colombia. Colombia. 
Brazil. I'm from Brazil. Brazil. Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan. Where are you guys from? Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan. China. China. Where are you guys from? Kyrgyzstan. Kazakhstan. Kyrgyzstan. Kyrgyzstan. And guys, what's so interesting about all this is remember the Biden administration and specifically VP Kamala Harris have uh, really focused their efforts on the so-called root causes in three countries, the Northern Triangle countries, Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador. None of these people behind me are from any of those countries. As a matter of fact, the entire time we've been down here in San Diego County, I haven't met a single person from any of those Northern Triangle countries, a lot from Asia, a lot from the Middle East, a lot from South America. <laughs> I'm in danger. When border encounters are numbering into the millions and hitting decade record highs, you know that this is more than just a crisis. It's an out and out invasion. And some of these migrants don't have the best intentions of the citizens at heart. We've been seeing more uh, reports of uh, encounters uh, in New York with law enforcement uh, who have been attacked, detainees, and instead uh, they, they have shipped them across state lines uh, instead of dealing with the problem and deporting these criminal migrants. Um, And this is the kind of migrant musical chairs that some states are playing with these migrant lives, which also isn't humane to them and doesn't do them any service when they have to move sometimes hundreds of miles uh, looking for a handout. Johannes Leal says she, along with her two children and six other family members, made the trip from Venezuela through Mexico before stopping in Texas to seek asylum. In Texas, she says they were given free bus tickets to New York City. They say New York offered 30 days of assistance before offering them free plane tickets to Utah. This weekend, they landed in the Beehive State. A kind person saw them in the street and pointed them towards a blue code shelter, which unsheltered Utah had opened for the night and has since helped them get a room to stay in at a hotel for a few days. Money, please. Oh, no, no, there's no money. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. that's fine. Um, I'll just destroy this office. Hey! <laughs> money, please. Money, please. Ben, give her some money. It's easier. This is an enormous drain on taxpayer resources to have to fund and shoulder the burden of these millions of migrants who have come over and aren't in a position to take care of themselves. And of course, you heard there, New York offering 30 days of shelter. They've offered uh, debit cards, uh, to uh, preloaded debit cards to pay for groceries and pay for daily needs. Michigan has built new tenement housing and paid for rent for up to two years to house some of these migrants and now they're asking you to put them in your own home the crisis is ridiculous and it's reached a boiling point at the perfect time because it's an election year and now the american people are presented with a choice whether or not they will put a stop to it or continue with disastrous biden administration policies and we'll see the results this november so stay tuned to 93 wibc coming up in the next segment is the sound dump don't miss it stay tuned you're listening to saturday night on the circle on 93 wibc 
join me this week as we wade through the mire of our American dystopia. For tonight's episode, I'll begin with Biden's reception in East Palestine, Ohio last weekend, a sentiment shared with voters in South Carolina, it seems, who rallied to support Donald Trump, who has just been declared the winner of that state's primary. Nikki Haley appears to be in utter denial on Fox News with Harris Faulkner as she refuses to believe she hasn't won a single state yet. You'll also hear Joe Biden deliver a snoozeworthy speech that left her audience dazed and half alert, a situation she attempted to make light of. All of this and so much more. Don't miss a moment of this week's edition of The Sound Dump. I'll take you for a ride. I'm a garbage truck. It's the Saturday Night Sound Dump on 93 WIPC. I take you to the dump. Show you the sights you know you want to ride. I'm a garbage truck. Truck, truck, truck. I'm your bohemian codger, Ethan Hatcher. Producer Jack is on the board. And we knew that the reception in East Palestine was going to be chilly because the business owners and residents were upset they'd been left abandoned by Biden for almost a year and a half. And they let their discontent be known as the president slimed and wormed his way back to the swamp of Washington, D.C., sending him their best wishes. How dare you? America has been circling the drain since Biden took office, and the Let's Go Brandon chant is truly something that can unite many Americans from sea to shining sea. You just heard the update from Fox News that uh, President Trump has been declared the winner of that state's primaries. You can understand why when you hear this chant. That was just, you know, a few residents of East Palestine. This is thousands who were gathered in a rally to show their support for the uh, former president ahead of tonight's primary. When life gives you lemons, don't make lemonade. Make life take the lemons back. Get mad. I don't want your damn lemons. What am I supposed to do with these? Demand to see life's manager. So we're not going to deal with the mistreatment from the Biden administration. And it's amazing how those uh, uh, stadiums can be completely packed. But it's incumbent upon the voter to actually turn out and make sure the election doesn't go Biden's way. Now, of course, Jill Biden, as inept as her husband, she was giving a speech um, that wasn't very well received, attempting to make a, a joke that fell flat on its face. And then she drew attention to it, which is the worst thing you can do. And she had her own uh, Jeb Bush moment. As many of you know, I've been teaching writing for 40 years, as Tom referenced. So one day, a student named Harry, who wanted to be an auto mechanic, raised his hand. Dr. B, he said, 
the only thing I need to learn how to write is needs breaks. He was, well, you finally got it. Come on, wake up. Please clap. Oh, it's so painful. And both of her, her and her husband are both completely cringeworthy, except she's at least just the first lady. He's the executive, the president of the United States, losing it, uh, spacing out mid-sentence, losing his train of thought. Uh, He's doing the creepy whisper, or he's completely butchering somebody's name, in this case, the uh, widow of Alexei Navalny. Uh, He called her Yolanda. Turns out her name's Yulia, something that you'd really think would be important to get right when you were uh, paying your respects to their deceased loved one. morning I had the honor of meeting with Alexei Navalny's wife and daughter. The one thing I made that was made clear to me is that uh, Yolanda is going to, she's going to continue to the fight he had underway. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber. You go and do something like this. And totally redeem yourself! <laughs> Yolanda, the, the standards have truly hit rock bottom for the executive, and it'd be okay if this was just a one-off slip-up, but it's every day with this stuff. And you have, at this point, an endless gaff reel coming from the president who isn't fit to hold office. Now, you heard earlier, of course, Donald Trump, he did win the South Carolina primary, as was projected to be the case. Nikki Haley in utter disbelief saying she's going to stick in the race even though she won her home state. This was her on Fox News with Harris Faulkner where she can't seem to understand or admit that she hasn't won a single state net yet. At the time only three, now four including her own home state. How do you win your first state? I mean, it's amazing to say I haven't won a state yet. <clears throat> You've only had three states that have voted. Well, it's not amazing. <laughs> we need well, to South go Carolina's ahead and let winner take all. You have to get out of denial. I've had failure in my life. But one thing I'm not in is denial. You're in denial. I'm not in denial. Without a doubt, she's in denial. There's so many things wrong, and yet everybody's in denial. Stop being in denial! So what could you hope, to possibly hope to accomplish at this point by staying in the race? She's just proving that, you know, she's not the right choice, and whatever hope for a political career she had, she's sullying the opportunity for by sticking around. It's absolutely ridiculous. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on The Circle, 93 WIBC. You can catch my podcast at WIBC.com as well as Saturday night on the circle.fireside.fm. Make sure to check those out. I also wanted to play a clip from Fannie Willis' father. It seems like the more we examine this family, the more there is not to like. And it, it seems that the only kind of racism that you are you can get away with in this country is racism toward white people as Fannie Willis' father was referring to Jesse Unra, uh, California politician, as a cracker. Uh, after the election, I was so pissed off at that. How could this Texas cracker? Ah, ah, he said it. Oops. He said it. Ah, ah, there it is. There it is. Come here and run the black community. I was just livid. Who are you referring to? Um, no, Jesse Unra, Big Daddy Fat Texas cracker. Okay. Unra. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
Oh, well. Seems like the apple doesn't fall from the tree, and we wonder if this kind of upbringing hasn't influenced Fanny's views that she's now applying to her case against Donald Trump, which appears to be on the rocks, especially after her own testimony. So we'll see how that all ultimately comes to pass. Now, another character you've seen in the news recently, and John Fetterman, uh, we've called him Betterman. It seemed like he had been making a slow evolution, but really he is a Democrat at heart. And despite some of the more uh, uh, conservative gaslighting statements that he's made, um, it, it seems that he is loyal to Joe Biden and supporting the president in the 2024 race. He predicts Joe Biden will win Pennsylvania. I think the most important issue is, is like, what do we want for this state and what do we want for this nation? And what we want kind of a world order is, is as well, too. And it's going to be very competitive as well, too. And the president is going to win here in, in Pennsylvania. And I've always believed that whoever wins Pennsylvania is going to be the next president as well, too. And this is going to be it's going to be difficult. And we all have to lean in on that. And we also have to start having you know, all kinds of Democrats criticizing the president, too, publicly. I, I don't understand why i don't know what's in it for you to do that whether you're just chasing clout or you want to make it in the news or anything like that but if you're not willing to just support the president now and say these kinds of things you might as well just get your mega head because you now yeah. are helping up with this you are so dumb you are really dumb for real so john fetterman doesn't think that it's appropriate for democrats to criticize the president and he doesn't understand why they're doing it i can tell you why because they have elections to win with their own constituency and you can't maintain any level of credibility if you profess your uh, uh confidence in the president he's clearly operating at a diminished capacity he can barely function when he stammers his way through uh, uh, press conferences, which are few and far between. And more often than not, he spent his administration on vacation, more than 40% of it. So this isn't somebody who's taking the Oval Office seriously. And we've seen a number of fronts under his tenure that have completely, completely deteriorated, like the supply chain, like the withdrawal from Afghanistan, like the ongoing inflation crisis. And now gas prices are creeping back as well because of Joe Biden's regressive uh, energy policy. So all of that is unacceptable. And for John Fetterman to (laughs) profess his uh, faith in the president shows his true partisan nature. Um, This was something I also wanted to play. A liberal activist was confronting a preacher in a San Francisco community neighborhood, and he was exercising his First Amendment rights, standing on a street corner of speaking his mind and preaching his views and look you don't have to agree with it i don't i'm an atheist but i ignore these people which is what she should have done instead of behaving like an unhinged maniac and actually screaming at the guy this is the neighborhood and you are not welcome that's why i need to be here <laughs> Jesus, ma'am. He can save you. He can give you a new heart. God can give you a new heart so that you love what God loves. No, that's irrational. I'm on my land. 
We're both in America, which used to be a good country, until they started letting people like you do whatever you want. Mental illness is a political identity and always has been. I saw you have to crank down the volume there a couple notches, uh, Producer Jack. Was that a little bit uh, unexpected coming from a, gro- a supposedly grown adult woman? Yeah, I think that was like a higher pitch than like a fire alarm. Yeah, the thing, you know, the thing is, if she would actually uh, uh, put her mind to it, I'm sure you could train that to, you know, operatically. She could be a soprano. Yeah, yeah, possibly. <laughs> But instead, she's uh, screaming like a maniac, losing her temper at a uh, street corner preacher. So, you know, I don't think this was that was a real meeting of the minds. But I don't think uh, she came uh, look uh, came out looking too good there. Um, another situation, and this just shows the uh, continuing deterioration of our society. And at this point, you know, let's just watch it circle the drain. I don't know if you caught this, uh, producer Jack. There was a fight at a college basketball game this week on Monday between the Texas a and m and i can't remember the other university uh but it came to blows fans were involved managers were involved did you see this i've heard i've heard of it but i don't think i've seen it this was how it was reported by the color commentators and with oh no this is not good this is really not good we've got punches being thrown this is really bad Oh, my goodness. Full team fight. Coaches in the middle of it. Wouldn't be surprised. Someone got a nick on the face there. This is not what you want to see after. That close of a game. It has been a great game. We've got everything going on right now. We still have guys running after people. Someone in the crowd was hurt and hit. My God. Sad. Very sad. Sad. This was like the Pacers and the Pistons. Yeah, the Malice and the Palace. (laughs) But this time for college. Yeah. Um, now I hear they they're getting ready to come out or they they have released going to release. I don't know. You you know I don't follow the sports football, but uh, a college uh, college sports video game. So now that you'll be uh, you'll be able to play as your favorite uh, college team on the Xbox machine. Are you going to be playing that? Do you uh, play sports Um, games? Personally, I don't play those games because like. Well, I'm on board with you. I play. I play. Well, I don't play the college basketball games, but I play like NBA 2K and like Call of Duty. But that's about it. Well, maybe college basketball is up next because they haven't had that in the past. This is just you know this is new. So you know they're they're testing the waters now that they have those licensing. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Agreements. Gotcha. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. Coming up next, I'll tell you about a couple very unfortunate lotto winners. How can you be unfortunate and a winner? I'll tell you how coming up next. If you're blue and you don't know where to go to, why don't you go where Harlem is? Put on the ring. This is Saturday night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back to Saturday Night on the Circle. I'm going to tell you about a couple very lucky, unlucky people. Because both of them won the lottery 
without getting their prize. How'd this happen? Well, in the case of Michael Cartledge from England, he had bought a couple scratch-offs with his girlfriend, and the situation was he paid her the money via Cash App transfer to buy the scratch-off tickets, and when they got home, found out they were a winner. She delivered it to the lottery office, but guess what? Said she was the sole winner. Now, at the time, the lottery had uh, declared that Michael was entitled to half of his winnings. That was from the uh, Camelot lottery chiefs who had launched the initial investigation. But the plot thickens because that lottery was bought out by new owners who then uh, sided with his girlfriend. And Michael is trying to sue. Yeah, I got a letter on the 10th of February saying that I'm no longer entitled to it. Now I'm approached to solicit her who's looking at the evidence that I've got, see if they'll help me proceed with my case. Just wish that she'd do the right thing. She would never win that ticket without me and I would never win it without her. It should be split 50-50 and I just want what I'm entitled to, which is 50%. Your half! There is no your half of the money! There is only my all of it. Do you understand? Why Why should I be penalized because of your sloppiness? I mean, you got to feel sorry for the guy because he thought he had a million pounds with him and his girlfriend. And then on the other side, he's single and no money. That sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that is sad. <laughs> uh, but it's not the only guy that it happened to. Uh, plaintiff John Cheeks is seeking restitution from a lottery in Washington, D.C. after he won the local Powerball, 715, 23, 32, 40, with a Powerball of two. Those were the numbers. And those were the numbers that they posted to their website um, uh, uh, for the lottery. But, and they kept it up there for three days. It matched his ticket. When he went to go collect his winnings, they said, oops, we made a mistake. Those weren't actually the winning numbers, so you're not entitled to his prize. Needless to say, Plaintiff John Cheeks, none too happy, and he is seeking the full winnings of more than $340 million. I don't blame him. You can't do that. That's absolutely nonsense, trying to take away a man's winnings. After you posted the winnings, winning numbers on your website, you can't uh, chalk that up just to a clerical error. Yeah, I don't blame him. So, yeah, we'll see how that uh, resolves itself in the civil court. Thanks for listening to 93 WIBC Saturday Night on The Circle. Next hour, Tony Kennett is joining the show, and he's going to tell us more about the situation with Mary and Jeremy Cox and the DCS scandal. Stay tuned for that. Coming up next. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back to Saturday Night on the Circle. I'm your Bohemian Codger, Ethan Hatcher. Thanks for listening. Catch my podcasts uploaded to WIBC.com and Saturday Night on the Circle.fireside.fm. By now, you've heard of Mary and Jeremy Cox, who are asking the Indiana Supreme Court to hold the state accountable after putting their son into a foster home for not affirming their gender pronoun choice, even after the state admitted that allegations of abuse were unsubstantiated. This is a story you'd expect to hear out of California, but now these policies are threatening Hoosier parents. Will the General Assembly intervene? 
Here to discuss the scandal is the investigative reporter for The Daily Signal and host of the Tony Kinnett cast, the rising star of conservative commentary. Tony Kinnett joins us on the show. Hello, sir. Howdy, howdy. Well, this was a bit of a surprise to me coming out of, of all places, Indiana, where these Hoosier parents, Jeremy and Mary Cox, are asking the Supreme Court to intervene and hold the state accountable. Now, as I understand it, their child has already aged out of the system, so he's 18 and an adult and responsible for his own choices. But I was really curious to hear what your take on this story is and whether or not you think the Supreme Court can intervene and will the General Assembly intervene. So, first of all, I should say that in this kind of a case, it's not yet the place of the General Assembly to uh, intervene. You can't really pass retroactive law situations in in situations like this. Well, no, you can't Um, retroactively pass a law, but you can prevent it from happening in the future, which is why you would codify it. Like, my contention is, even if the Supreme Court does rule, then it would just be a Supreme Court ruling away from being overturned, just like Roe versus Wade. So you'd need to codify that through the General Assembly. At least that's that's my understanding. So here's the problem with this story. The problem with this story is that I knew about this a good six, seven, maybe eight months ago. And I'm going to be honest with you, did not pass the sniff test. It didn't. Something about the story was wrong. Now, I'm, I, I get at least 15 or 20 pitches on stories a week. It's very constant. And so I have a very rigorous set of standards for like following through a story because it's only, only one time that you get called out on writing the wrong kind of story or, or something not being right and you're done. And the issue that I had with this story is that it was a little too convenient for the narrative. It was. It was like, well, oh, so the entire thing, the entire Indiana DCS just intervened because these parents wouldn't call the kid by their pronouns. It sounded a little too politically oriented to be true. So I did what is called due diligence in the media world. I reached out to DCS. I reached out to several other individuals that may have some kind of involvement with the situation. And then I waited and I didn't hear anything back that was leading me to believe that this was just an all in case kind of situation. And so I waited on it. And when I heard the story break, I was really surprised Um, And I talked to the attorney general's office, and basically what I'm finding is it looks like even if there isn't a substantiated case of abuse, even if there isn't like like the the parents coming home and like beating the kid with aluminum baseball bats, there are concerns that there was neglect nutritionally and whether the kid may or may not have been starved for a good starved. That's the word that I used. But there are a lot of questions that are being asked. The DCS, from what I have from what I have seen, did not just roll in and go, hey, that kid is trans. You can't do that. And then carted the kid away. Okay, so the narrative I've understood is these parents claimed that their son also, in addition to gender dysphoria, had an eating disorder, and they were attempting treatment for both of those through conventional therapeutic means. Wouldn't there be receipts of those transactions getting medical attention for their son? It seemed like these parents from the outside were very concerned individuals for the health and safety and well-being of their child, even if that child disagreed with their judgment due to their religious beliefs. And they may be. 
They may absolutely be. I'm in no way insinuating that they did or they didn't. But what I am saying is that I have been told multiple things from trusted sources in various positions. Therefore, when there's a situation like that, the last thing I do is run out and go, this is happening and I can't believe the situation in Indiana and the gubernatorial candidates need to speak now because we don't know. And the attorney general's office made it very clear to me that Fox News prematurely reported that story. And so I I make sure that when I report a story that I check my stuff. There was a situation in which a Hamilton Southeastern teacher had a poster in her classroom from a student that she chose to keep on the wall that talked about uh, defunding the police. And as more information came out about that story, we updated it to the minute so that the most accurate information was out there. From, for just me, my own opinion in this situation, I believe that the story was rushed and we do not have all the facts out yet. Well, what investigation could we uh, could we follow this up with if the state's own investigation already concluded that abuse uh, accusations were not substantiated? Who reported this? That's another uh, question mark hanging in the air. So, first of all, there's there's an entire entire ecosystem of how legal policies work regarding mandatory reporting and and what constitutes abuse and what constitutes neglect and what constitutes uh, basically the, the difference in the very fine line between abuse and neglect, kind of like the difference between manslaughter and murder in regarding like intent. And there's a lot of questions to ask, but the child that is now an adult would have to agree to release those records and there would have to be a whole situation. Again, Indiana law is not the world's most up-to-date when it comes to handling investigations and accountability practice regarding things like Department of Child Service investigations. So I, it's a very complex bowl of spaghetti. I can't just reach in and pull out one noodle for you. It's, it's a huge mess of a system that's been allowed to persist for a long time. The reason I'm urging caution here is not because I want kids to be taken out because of transgender nonsense at all. The, the reason that I'm urging caution here is because if I'm going to go after and say this is happening, it's happening right here, right now, like it has been in Canada and in California, then we better have confirmation that that was the one and only thing, not just, well, there were no cases of abuse, but okay, well, what about neglect? You know, what about other situations that might have been involved that may not have been a part of this specific case number? There's a lot that goes into these things. I mean, I believe I totally believe that there are some unanswered questions here because I watched the video where they presented their case and it seemed a little bit disingenuous in that they kept referring to this as their child when, in fact, this is now an adult that's free to make their own decisions, regardless of whether or not their parents approve. And they, they kept it hanging on. Well, you know, uh, uh, visitation was at their discretion. Like, yes, that's how adult relationships with your children function. And whether or not you have one, y- y- you know, is is up to you and that individual at that point like the state can't intervene but that doesn't mean that it wasn't unacceptable for dcs in that case to come in and then take the child away and put them into foster care into a place that affirmed their gender pronouns uh for a year and a half and obviously that's bad and obviously that needs to be codified again what i am saying here is do we have the actual dcs documentation that says we took this child out of the home because the parents were not affirming the child's gender i need to see that on the paper otherwise that's not why the kid was taken out again so- i've look i've worked in the public education system for a number of years and during that time i've heard 
parents and teachers, I, I would like send their kid to detention because the kid did something stupid. And the parents would go, oh, actually, he sent him to detention because he just doesn't like that kid. And the parents can say that all they want. But until there is actually on the write-up form, I really hated Johnny. I sent him to detention so he could suffer. I'm not seeing it. So I'm urging caution because I'm forensic in my reporting. Okay. Well, I only aim the rifle when there's a dedicated target. Well, I'm assuming all this information would come out in discovery if their case ends up going to the Supreme Court. I mean, wouldn't that be true? Uh, they have, they have this Beckett they law firm. I think it's Lori Wyndham who's representing the couple You know, in this petition. Now it would be dependent on whether or not the Supreme Court goes for it. And I had thought well, that they, I had thought that the Supreme Court wouldn't pick this up because just like the uh, uh, Supreme Court nationally didn't pick up the issue of the rent moratorium after it had ended. Like you can only resolve these le- uh, legal issues if damage is actively occurring, not after the fact. So I, I well to answer your first question about discovery, yes and no, because again, you can make cases for again we got Al Capone on tax evasion, remember? Right. So like as far as what comes out in discovery is not the same thing as you made a ruling and the ruling was actually for this reason, but you wrote down something else. It doesn't guarantee that when the Supreme Court invest, you know, when the Supreme Court looks over the case, that we're going to find damning evidence that clearly this is a child in deep distress of transgender, blah, 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 so we must save them from the home. Could that be there? Yes, it could be there. Is it likely that it's there? No. Just, I'm sorry. I, again, and I, I know the Indiana DCS has a lot of very far left-leaning individuals. I know there are a lot of individuals in the Indiana DCS and abroad that would be willing to do that. But if you're expecting some kind of like a pristine smoking gun that's extremely bold and flagrant, I'm here to tell you guys that a lot of individuals in the system don't do things like this because it's way too obvious and it's too stupid to actually make a move like this at this point in time. So you're saying we need to pump the brakes on this story and take it with a grain of salt going forward forward not saying taking it with a grain of salt i want to say look there's an allegation that's been made there is some credibility to the allegation i have heard conflicting reports from sources that i trust seriously individuals that i trust in various offices and systems have told me wildly different things and i'm not talking about a binary i'm talking about multiple different sets of circumstances and things that happened and motions that were filed Okay. So I'm going to wait so that I don't embarrass myself by going out in front of the state and saying, this has happened and it's terrible and blah, blah, blah. I'm taking the if it's true. Yeah, it's terrible. But if it's not true, this is why we need to vet things. Well, fair game, because I anticipate further deme- uh, uh, further developments on this story. If it's true, this is something straight out of California. And I find that unacceptable in the heartland of America. No, I mean, unquestionably. And and by the way, I have, if you might say, an interest in it being true because my entire premise since I've worked at the Daily Signal is to prove that red states often have the bluest bureaucracies because they've been left untouched by Republican legislators for decades and have swollen with money and they think they can just do whatever they want. So it would fit my quote-unquote narrative for this story to be true. Why wouldn't it? But that's all the more reason to urge caution. I'm not trying to get people to storm the state house and demand action over something that may not be entirely the truth. You no. feel me? Yep, absolutely. Makes sense, Tony Kennett. Thanks for taking time out of your day and uh, spending it with here, us here on Saturday night on The Circle. Absolutely. Always a pleasure, Ethan. Thanks. You're listening to 93 WIBC. Stay tuned for more. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's 
jungle out there. Disorder and confusion everywhere. No one seems to care. Well, I do. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen, where fortunately tonight, all the technology is working, the internet is up, the board is running just fine, and all of our cell phones, at least as far as I'm aware, are currently in functional condition. But that was not the case this week, as the Earth was pummeled with a giant solar flare that temporarily knocked out the AT&T network for a quite a few users across the United States. Producer Jack, now I'm on AT&T. Are you on an AT&T phone? Was this something that happened to you? Uh, no, I think I'm on Verizon. It missed me for some reason. Like it happened to a friend of mine who was on T- AT&T, and they. Could st- still send messages through an online connection, but it wouldn't work over the 5G. Now, for me, as far as I know, it worked just fine. I, I don't know. I guess this wasn't a universal thing, but uh, yeah, a I've, lot of AT and T people put out. Yeah, I've I've heard of it, heard about it, but like I don't I haven't read into it about like all the details and whatnot well, and, like, who how knew, it might work. Right. Well, who knew uh, that space weather was something we had to keep in mind. Maybe you're looking at your phone and it's saying SOS. What's going on? My husband had that this morning and he's freaking out. And I was like, did you did you do your phone updates? No, this is all happening at 3 a.m. So we did that. Coming to work. He's not the only one. Guys, if you're experiencing that, it may be a result of space weather. Okay, let's go ahead and take a look. So there was a strong solar flare event that happened just after midnight. And they actually captured an image of it right here. Okay, R3, that's for radio communication. It's on a scale of one to five, and three is pretty bad. That means it impacts radio communications for a few hours after this happens. And so right now, that could be impacting some of our technology. And sadly, we're entering a solar maximum where we're going to see more and more solar storms, solar flares. And it's never happened in this time of human history where we're relying on technology like we have never before. So interesting time. A communications disruption can mean only one thing, invasion. So for the Neanderthals, everything worked out just fine. They weren't affected by the electromagnetic radiation that was being shot out by the sun, at least besides the ultraviolet radiation that gives you skin cancer. But besides that, I'm talking about the magnetic radiation that'll knock out electronics. Doesn't knock out stone tools or bronze, you know, um, but, but it will hit your electronics. It's, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, that was something that people were concerned about in 2012. It actually missed us by that much because it uh, the, the sun, fortunately, was facing the opposite direction when it let out one of the largest solar flares ever that could have completely disabled United States communications for like weeks on end while they were trying to get things back up and running. Jeez, that wouldn't have been good. No. no yeah, to say the very <laughs> least, like that would completely put the world into a panic things would stop functioning as much as reliant as we are on technology which is something that ron DeSantis was musing about and warning about this reliance we have on the digital age honestly it's like imagine if we had like an emp attack or something like that what would end up happening in this country so it's not necessarily a good thought because you think you're just so naturally reliant on having uh having cell service if you're in the car you need to figure out 
we're going to go, all this other stuff. So um, it, it's a little bit uh, a little bit jarring to think about the implications if something like that happened on a much grander scale. No, God! No, God! Please, no! 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 would be totally miserable. I hate to admit it, but I'm a bit of a technology addict. I like my video games. I like my on-demand television, streaming. I like my cell phone. I like being able to take pictures and watch the YouTube videos and text with my friends. How, how are you, Jack? Yeah, are you no, bad? I'm, I'm the exact same way. Same way. Yeah. Like yeah. I feel, I feel most people these days are, you know, almost needlessly attached to their phone. And I, I am too. Look, I'm that way. I, I hate that we are so attached at the hip to these pieces of technology yeah you know when you could just step away for a second but sure. uh, certainly not when it's forced when your hand is forced by mother nature taking away the technology from you due to a solar flare that would be uh that that would be disastrous Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on the Circle. Ethan Hatcher, your host, producer Jack on the board. Before I ended this segment, I also wanted to give you guys an update on the ever-evolving antics of Marion County Center Township Denise, uh, Constable Denise Paul Hatch. Of course, she's been charged with official misconduct for attempting to intervene in a criminal investigation, uh, resisting arrest, and theft at a local Kroger on the east side of Indianapolis where she was flashing her badge and trying to get uh, management to accept rotten fruit in exchange for fresh produce. So she's a little bit of a maniac. And last year, of course, she got in a conflict with the IMPD that resulted in IMPD pulling out, uh, assisting with evictions uh, in Center Township because of her antics. And now she has given uh, deputy authority to a few people with felonies uh, that were not allowed to carry firearms and that has uh, come to light. So she fired her entire department. A center township constable in Marion County tells 13 News she terminated her entire staff. Constable <laughs> Denise Hatch says she fired 40 officers. Two of the former deputy constables face charges for being convicted felons and possessing handguns. And Hatch herself is also charged with official misconduct, assisting a criminal, resisting arrest and theft. But she claims the decision to fire her staff is all about gaining the public's trust and starting with a clean slate. Everyone who was on my roster have been terminated and um, once they can produce a background check, a nationwide background check, not just Indiana, they will be rehired. Now we'll continue following this story. Hatch tells us she doesn't know who's handling the deputy constable's duties for the time being. It'd be funny if it weren't so pathetic. No, what the heck, I'll laugh anyway. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's not a quick way to get this lady out of office. She's actually got to be convicted of a felony before she can be removed for official misconduct. Until that time, we either got to wait for that, uh, wait for the conviction to come through, or vote her out in the next election. Either way, this chick has got to go. Thanks for listening to 93 WIBC Saturday Night on the Circle. Stay tuned for more. Up next, we're going to tell you uh, one creative CEO's vision for how you can replace those expensive dinner meals uh, with a, a less expensive option. We'll tell you what that is coming up next.
This is Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIBC. Things are not going well in the Biden economy. For lots of families, the grocery bill is one of the most expensive items on your weekly list. Thanks for tuning into the show. I'm Ethan Hatcher. That's producer Jack on the board. And all of us are suffering under the weight of Bidenomics, unfortunately. Uh, Some families have had to cut back on what they're serving or choose less pricey items, cutting back on meat. And one CEO has devised a rather creative solution for what he thinks family should replace those expensive dinners with. Big piece in the journal today, just looking at the share of income going to food and sort of exploring the idea that it's hard to find eras in which food prices actually retrench and stay down. Um, talk about what you said today. Oh, Carl, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. When we think about our consumer under pressure, there's things that we could do, but most importantly, what this category could do. The cereal category has always been quite affordable, and it tends to be a great destination when consumers are under pressure. So some of the things that we're doing is first messaging. we got to reach the consumer where they are. So we're advertising about cereal for dinner. If you think about the cost of cereal for a family versus what they might otherwise do, that's going to be much more affordable. Am I evil? Am I like like an evil person? Oh my God. I mean, absolutely. Do I not tell you that enough? You are like the most evil guy I know, man. That was Gary Pilnick, Kellogg's CEO, appearing on CNBC's Squawk on the Street, saying that you should replace your meal, your dinners, with cereal. Now, look, I know some bachelors do that, and I've done that, too, on occasion. I don't know about you, Producer Jack. Are you fond of a cereal for dinner? No, I'm, I'm not fond of it. Okay, well, good, because it's incredibly unhealthy. <laughs> healthy i mean but what if you do choose to participate it should be on a voluntary basis not because you're forced to by the state of the economy that's terrible yeah i agree and he's basically given the green light for families across the united states to fast track their children on diabetes no wonder a type 2 diabetes is on the rise <laughs> poisoning yourself with heinous levels of sugar like that's not that is not an adequate substitute for a healthy meal i'm sorry and for the ceo to come up with that on a you know with a straight face is ridiculous let alone the fact that he personally benefits from it as the ceo of a cereal company trying to act like he's doing us a favor oh go eat cereal you know like i my body would not not like live off of that well but yeah no no but nobody is designed to live off of that well just because it's supplemented with some vitamins that they spray on there doesn't mean that it's a replacement for good greens <laughs> I agree. oh my goodness that's absolutely preposterous what's next is the uh, ramen ceo gonna take t- tell us a uh, oh well you know instead of cereal ramen's even cheaper just to heat up some noodles pour some hot water over it I, I love a good uh, bowl of ramen, though. <laughs> well, I mean, a bowl of Again, these are fine. It's just the idea that you shouldn't be forced into replacing a healthy meal with this because of the state of the economy. Yeah. It's fine on a voluntary basis, not because you're forced there. That's, yeah. that's the real problem gotcha. here. And the Biden administration not anticipating things getting better in the near future. This, a uh, uh, rather frightening forecast from the 
Treasury Secretary who says it's not even the priority of the Fed to attempt to lower prices. But that's okay because in her mind, you're still better off. How do you convince Americans and voters that those prices might not go back to where they were before the pandemic? Well, I think most um, Americans know that prices um, are not likely to fall. It's not the Fed's objective to um, try to push the level of prices back to where they were. But this whole place sucks. That's right, it sucks. Biden administration completely unconcerned with the consumer. Now, producer, I have to do all of my own grocery shopping as a bachelor now you're still living at home right are, yeah are you yeah. doing are you doing much of the shopping if any at all do you do you buy your own groceries or some of your own groceries uh no Not. like my parents just deal with that. <laughs> lucky you <laughs> yeah i miss those days yeah that was nice yeah because i'll tell you what any i mean enjoy it while you can no, I, I am, but I'm still like, trying to find like a full-time job. And everything well, well look, it, it, tr- truly, enjoy it while you can, because anytime I go to the grocery store, and I'm not even you know packing like a full cart or stocking up for multiple weeks, because it's just me, so I'll pick up you know enough for a couple of days, a few meals here and there. And like, no joke, it's about fifty bucks a pop anytime you stroll into the store, and that's just for a few drinks, for a little bit of milk, a little bit of beef, you know, uh, maybe some fish here and there, a pound of butter, and then and then you're at $50. Like, it's it's a, it's a lot. It yeah, adds up quick. And yeah, it adds up. Just for sure. a couple days, you yeah. know, in families, they can be four or five or $600 in. If you want to fill up that cart, it's very cost prohibitive right now. Yeah. And again, like, this is a, this is a time, th- this is the right time for these pressures to be hitting at an election year. And I implore you to to turn out the vote, something that Laura Trump was encouraging at CPAC this year, that Republicans need to take the elections more seriously and not just rely on old-timey campaign tricks from the 1990s, knocking on doors and expecting people to turn out the vote on election day. No, you got to take full advantage of the options that are available to you. Every legal vote counts. If you have mail-in votes, do a mail-in vote. If you want to get your your vote counted as early as possible. If you have friends, if you have family, get them to vote for Republicans. This the message of Laura Trump. The truth is, if we want to compete with the Democrats, we cannot wait until Election Day. If we want to compete and win, we must embrace early voting. The days of waiting until Election Day to vote are over. We have to encourage everyone who can legally vote to go do so as soon as they legally can. We need so many votes banked for Donald J. Trump that we're not playing catch up on Election Day. You go vote and then you take your neighbor, your friend, your dentist, heck, I don't care, someone you met on the street, as long as they're voting the right way. Every single day up to and on November 5th, because this November, every single legal vote matters. Vote or die, motherfucker. Motherfucker. Vote or die. Rock the vote or else I'm going to stick a knife through your eye. Democracy is founded on one simple rule. Get out there and vote or I will motherfucker kill you. Yeah, I like it when you vote, bitch. Now, is this really so complicated, Jack? Is it really so complicated to turn out the vote and take advantage of every method available to you? Like, imagine that you can actually overcome rigged elections by just voting. 
Yeah, no, like when I was in college, like at Ball State, I would drive home just to vote and then drive back up to college. Well, you don't even have to do that. Now, that's very admirable. That's actually really going out of your way to make sure that you can vote. Yeah. You can request a mail-in ballot, too. That's just fine. If you, yeah. if you can avail yourself of early voting, or heck, you can show up to uh, certain specified polling places here in Marion County. I've done that before when I planned to be out of town. Like, I made sure to vote in the mayoral primary. I early voted in the mayoral primary because I knew I was going to be out of town on election day. So you can't just rely on election day turnout anymore. And she went on in her speech at CPAC to talk about how Republicans begin many election nights at a deficit because of the get out the vote campaign the Democrats have enacted. And they have those mail-in ballots already in the bag that are counted when uh, you know other uh, uh, in-person ballots are still being uh, tallied up. So it's incumbent on you to get out the vote. And hopefully we'll have a change in leadership this November. Looking looking forward to it. Thanks for listening to 93 WIBC Saturday night on The Circle. Coming up next, an enormous success for American companies and potentially the next step in the uh, uh, our, our space exploration uh, capabilities. We'll tell you about that coming up next. So stay tuned. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I never had a chance to shine, never a happy song to sing, but suddenly half the world is mine. What an amazing thing, because I've got a golden ticket. It's ours, John. This is Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIBC. Slippers, Charles. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Just wrapping things up here on Saturday night on The Circle with a note of celebration as for the first time in over 50 years, the United States has returned to the moon. We've slipped the surly bonds of Earth and ascended into the stars themselves in a monumental achievement that for the first time has been made by a private company in partnership with NASA, thus paving the way for future space exploration. This was excitedly announced after a weak signal was was confirmed, received from the uh, spacecraft after touchdown, a feat only achieved by five countries in the world, happily uh, commemorated by NASA officials. On the eighth day of a quarter million mile voyage, a voyage along the great cosmic bridge from the launch pad at the Kennedy Space Center to the target of the south pole of the moon, a commercial lander named Odysseus, powered by a company called Intuitive Machines, launched upon a SpaceX rocket carrying a bounty of NASA scientific instruments and bearing the dream of a new adventure a new adventure in science, innovation, and American leadership in space, well, all of that aced the landing of a lifetime. Today, for the first time in more than a half century, the U.S. has returned to the moon. Today, for the first time in the history of humanity, 
a commercial company, an American company, launched and led the voyage up there. And today is a day that shows the power and promise of NASA's commercial partnerships. Congratulations to everyone involved in this great and daring quest at Intuitive Machines, SpaceX, and right here at NASA. What a triumph. Odysseus has taken the moon. This feat is a giant leap forward for all of humanity. Stay tuned. That's SpaceX. That's uh, Elon Musk's company. So this is incredible, an achievement for the United States and its private partnerships and paves the way for future space exploration. This is cool. This isn't just a a useless uh, expenditure of taxpayer dollars because who controls the final frontier of space is going to determine who remains the global uh, uh, leader and the global power here on Earth. So it it behooves the United States to maintain that authority in uh, uh, space. And it harkens back to a time when the United States was truly at its best, united by a singular goal as outlined by an inspirational president, John F. Kennedy. But why some say the moon? Why choose this as our goal? And they may well ask, why climb the highest mountain? Why, 35 years ago, fly the Atlantic? Why does Rice play Texas? We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal, will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win. Can you imagine Joe Biden giving an inspirational speech like that and uniting the entire American people behind him? No, That's an- I, I can't right? imagine like, no. sounding like this. No, and, and to be honest, I can't imagine a, a Republican sounding like that either. It feels like that kind of uh, uh, aura and gravitas has been completely lost in American leadership, and that's disappointing. But, yeah. but if we can reunite under a goal of uh, exploring space, I think that would be fantastic. I, I mean. I would I would I would take part in space tourism if I had the opportunity just to experience weightlessness. Wouldn't that be incredible if, you know, even even if it was just for a few moments, like on one of these uh, outer space planes that touch uh, the stratosphere? Yeah, I would I would I would think about it. I don't I don't know if I would like actually do it, though, (laughs) like whatever reason of like, I don't know. Look, if William Shatner can do it, you can do it too, Jack. Come on, man. Oh, yeah, then I can do it. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's very exciting. For the first time in more than 50 years, the United States has returned to the moon. And this uh, it, you know, adventure and partnership with the private companies is going to uh, uh, enable us in the future to possibly pursue a manned moon landing base. Now, that would be incredible for several decades now, a uh, couple decades, which is incredible. We have continuously manned the International Space Station with people, in, you know, in 
in outer space. And so the next logical step would be to establish a habitation on a planet outside of our own, maybe with a view to Mars one day. Who knows? That'd be incredible. Hasn't like a movie like done that? Like, uh, what's it Several called? movies, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, I, for, I forget, like, what what is like Martian like the the Martian yeah. with uh what was what was his name um Mark uh Wal Mark Wahlberg yeah yeah pretty and, sure yeah and they, he was like making plants or, or growing plants and one day that could be you Maybe. thanks to these partnerships with uh, Intuitive Machines and SpaceX that's all I've got for this evening ladies and gentlemen thanks for tuning in I leave you with my parting words of wisdom as always wherever you are whoever you're with whatever you're doing remember. As always, that life is a state of mind. I'll see you next week here on the one and only 93 WIBC.